0: John Carter will bring us this unique evangelism special. Is it time to quit? We're delighted today to welcome you to the Carter Report. We welcome our viewers across the great land of the United States of America, down into Australia, across Ukraine, and by satellite systems around the world. We thank you for joining us today. The program today is called Evangelism Special, Is it time to quit? Should we give up? Is it time to quit preaching the gospel? Because times are tough. Money is hard to get. Is it time to quit? Somebody came to me not long ago and and said rather wisely, "Uh, you're getting pretty old. (laughs) Uh, Don't you think it's time to quit? I told them this story. I had a friend in Australia many years ago. He was an old minister of the gospel, Pastor W.M.R. Scragg. When he was into his 90s, people would come to him and say, Pastor Scragg, don't you think it's time to quit? And he'd say this, when I think of the man on the cross, I can't quit. So it's not about me. It's about the man on the cross. When I think of the man on the cross, I can't quit. Why do evangelism? We're going to talk about that today. But firstly, let us answer the question, what is evangelism? Most folks have got no idea. I'm talking about people in the church. Most folks have got no idea at all what evangelism means. I want you to come in your Bibles. Come over here with me to the writings of the Apostle Paul and come with me to Romans chapter 1 and verses 14 and onwards, please. Romans chapter 1 and verse 14 and onwards, the words of the great Paul. He says, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians both to wise and to unwise. So, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the... For the Greek person, the Gentile, there was reason in the days of Paul to be ashamed of the gospel. How could a person ever support the idea that God became a man and was crucified as a common criminal? For most people, that was a cause of shame. But Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. People who are opposed to the gospel do so in their ignorance. Ignorance. What do I mean by this? The very word evangelism means to preach the good news. The word evangelism comes from the Greek language and in the Greek language the word gospel is evangel. And so if a person is opposed to preaching the gospel, um, I would venture to say it is because that person doesn't understand the gospel of Christ. It's a very, very serious charge to make. But how can a person be opposed uh, to the cross of Christ? Because evangelism is the preaching of the cross of Christ. And the Apostle Paul, I would like you to note this, my brothers and my sisters here in Southern California. The Apostle Paul was not an armchair theologian. He did not sit behind a desk. He did not just attend committee meetings. I doubt if he attended any. He was an evangelist, a preacher of the gospel. He said, I'm a debtor to all men and women because all men and women are lost without Christ. This is a... A terrible statement, it's an inflammatory statement. Many theologians, especially in Southern California, would disagree with me. That all people without Christ are lost. Why do you think Paul went trampling around the world uh, preaching the story of a crucified man if people were already saved? We are not naturally saved. The world is lost without Christ. That's why he said, I'm a debtor. Then he said, I'm ready to preach the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Many years ago, the story is told of a a young man and his little baby sister. And there came an horrendous fire and it swept through their their home. The parents were away. And uh, the young man waded into the fire and he plucked his little sister as a brand from the burning. Forever he was scarred, forever he was blind. And you could see this couple walking down some of the streets of Washington, D.C. beneath the beautiful trees. People would say, who is the ugly man and who is the beautiful girl? Is she not ashamed to be seen with him? And if you were to say to her, aren't you ashamed of this man? She would say, no. He got his scars saving me. Jesus got his scars saving us. He got his scars to save us from the fire. How can people say they do not believe in evangelism? What an abominable idea. So we come back to the question, why do evangelism? Now we have established what evangelism is. It is the preaching of the good news. There are a number of compelling reasons why we at the Carter Report have not quit and why we believe in evangelism. Number one, because Jesus Christ our Lord commanded it. People say, I've got to wait until a committee tells me whether I should do evangelism or not. It's a very, very strange idea. We do evangelism because Jesus, our Lord, told us to do it. Jesus came, spoke to them. You see the text, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. You can follow in the scriptures. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We do evangelism, firstly, because Jesus is Lord. And because Jesus is Lord, we are in the business of doing what he tells us to do. Look at Luke 24 and verse 45 to 47. Luke 24, and he opened their understanding so that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached, should be preached, should be preached. Preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Listen to me. Without the gospel, men and women are lost. We're not saved because we are sincere or because we are good enough. We are saved because we accept the gospel of Christ. And Jesus said it's necessary that the gospel shall be preached and we do it because Jesus is Lord. Why do evangelism? Here is the second reason. Because Revelation 14 describes it. And Revelation 14 describes God's last message to a dying world. Revelation 14 verses 6 and 7. And as you read these texts, say to God, God, open my eyes. Because some of us may be walking in darkness. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Have you ever thought about this? These are three angels flying in the midst of heaven, This is talking about a worldwide proclamation. It is not just talking about friendship evangelism over the back fence. Now friendship evangelism over the back fence is a very important part of evangelism. But there's far more involved in these words here. And another angel followed them saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city because she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And a third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand and it goes on to say he's going to drink of the wine of the wrath of God's fury. I, I was talking to a minister back in Australia. I said, my friend, this is talking about a worldwide public proclamation. The angels are flying in the midst of heaven. In fact, the Greek word can be translated the eagles. The eagles. You've seen the eagles soaring up high. Everybody can see them. This is not something which is done in a corner, my friend. It is a, a public proclamation. It is something big. Now, Some people don't get this because they don't understand Scripture. And what they try to do, they try to keep the angels down uh, with the turnips and uh, with the cabbages but the Bible says the angels are flying in the midst of heaven. This is more than anything else, a public proclamation of the truth of God's word for these last days. And what do they preach? They preach the gospel. They preach the judgment hour message. They preach the truth that God is the creator, Christ is Lord. They warn against the beast, the image of the beast, and the mark of the beast, and they call people to keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. The public proclamation of that message is the most important enterprise that has ever been given to the human race. Nothing compares to it or with it. It is. A worldwide public proclamation, and that is why we do evangelism, because it's biblical. Why do evangelism? Here's the third reason because the church started with it. I have a great friend in the United States, uh, rather, I was going to say in Australia, great friend, I've got him in the United States too, but I've got a great friend in Australia. And he was talking to a bunch of people who call themselves Christians. And they said to him, we are categorically opposed to evangelism. They hold office in the church. They claim to be members of the remnant church. And publicly they say, we are totally opposed to evangelism. My friend who is a church leader said to them, don't you understand this? The church started with public evangelism. Oh, no, no, no. That can't be so. The Bible teaches that the church started with public evangelism when a man who was a fisherman stood up to preach. And I want you to see the text. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. Dear hearts and gentle people, notice the text. And our consciences today should be guided by the word of God. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14 says, but Peter standing up with the eleven, he didn't sit down to give a sermon, but Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. This started the Christian church, a mighty sermon about Jesus Christ in the context of A Bible prophecy. And the Bible tells us how this sermon ended. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and 41 in the scriptures. Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the church. The church was born when a man filled with the Holy Spirit stood up and preached about Jesus. And he was not a whispering hope. He was the voice of God to those people. So that's why I believe in evangelism, because there wouldn't have been a church without it. They had a tremendous baptism. And evangelism should always lead to people being added to the church. Why do evangelism? Number four. Because it is God's net cast into the ocean of lost humanity. Let me talk about this. Lost humanity. I don't think this will be so in the Philippines. I know it's not so in Russia. I know it's not so in Ukraine. It is so in parts of the United States of America where people tell me you don't need to do evangelism because everybody is born saved and everybody will get to heaven unless they rebel against God personally. So I guess if that is so, the best thing to do is to keep it quiet and not give them the opportunity of rejecting. I believe that men and women without Christ are lost. And that is why we are called to do evangelism. It is God's net cast into the ocean of lost humanity. Matthew thirteen forty-seven is the text I want you to see. Matthew 13 and verse 47. Again. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. God has got a dragnet. It's not just throwing out a fishing line here and there and that may be good and appropriate. But it certainly does not do away with casting out a net. Would you like to know why public evangelism today is opposed by many people? It's because the devil hates it. The devil hates it. Because evangelism is the net that is cast into the ocean of lost humanity and brings in souls to the kingdom. Now, I'm going to tell you point number five now. This is pretty important. Here it is. Here it is. Why do evangelism? Wait for this. Because the preaching of the gospel is powerfully effective when accompanied by the Holy Spirit. I'm not an armchair theologian. I'm not a theorist. I've met so many people who believe in the philosophy of failure. I've had people come to me over the years, more than half a century preaching, and they say, but don't you know it doesn't work anymore? Oh, is that so? Who told you that, the devil? Don't you know it doesn't work anymore? Don't you know that it's useless today to try to do Great campaigns because people just are not going to come. Now, I will admit, it's tough. And that's one reason people don't do it. It's tough. It demands consecration. It demands hard work. It demands ability. And it demands something else. I'm going to tell you something else what it demands. It demands money. People have said to me, but these campaigns that you run, they're terribly expensive. Hey, are you kidding how much value are you going to put upon a soul? You're going to tell me it's not, you couldn't run a campaign for a million, a, a million dollars. That would be an abomination to run a campaign. What? Maybe we should be talking about 20 million. Please. It depends upon your vision, it depends upon what you believe, it depends whether your faith is apostolic or apostate. I believe this, I believe, and I'm not an armchair theologian. I've had people come to me in Australia and I'm an Australian with American citizenship too, but I've had people come to me in Australia and they say, but you know, you can't do it anymore, it's impossible. I said, excuse me if my memory's still working, weren't you one of those who came to me at the Sydney Opera House and said it wouldn't work? Well, we did, yes. Did it work then? Yes, it worked then. But it won't work now. I say may God revive his people and give birth to dead souls. Where is our faith in the living God? I believe in it because the preaching of the gospel is powerfully effective when accompanied by the holy spirit i'm going to tell you some stories today that would even convince the unconverted that the gospel is still the power of god let me start by taking you to india A number of years ago we got a call to go and run a campaign in india i'm just a church pastor i've Past people say, you're a professional evangelist. No, I'm not. I'm a pastor who does evangelism in his spare time when he can raise the money for it. I would do a lot more evangelism if people sent me more money. I can't do what I can't do. When we went to India, this land of Hinduism and paganism, we were told it will not work. It is an impossibility. I can still remember, uh, you know, I'm not trying to sound self-righteous in this because I'm a sinner, just say by grace. And what I do, I'm struggling all the time. I don't find it easy. I'm struggling all the time. I'm falling and rising. They said nobody's going to come to the meetings. Nobody's going to come to the meetings. Look at this in India. The meetings lasted the longest of any Christian meetings in a public forum like this. In the history, no, it's not true. Yes, it is true. The crowds grew thousands and thousands every night. Soon we had tens of thousands of Hindus and Muslims coming. The Indians are fine people. They have great brains. They have a superior intellect. They like carefully reasoned arguments. Take Ravi Zachariah. He comes from India. One of the greatest proponents of the Christian faith in the world today is an Indian, not an American, not an Australian, Rabbi Zachariah. One night when we had an altar call here, as I went into prayer, the people started to pray. I'd never seen anything like it before, and I am not a Pentecostal, but I saw up the back of this vast crowd that went as far as my eye could see. I saw people raising their hands to God, Hindus and Muslims, have you ever seen the wind blow through the wheat, how the heads wave in the wind? The prayers swept across the great audience. People who are completely oblivious to the work of the Holy Spirit say to me, it never happened. May God have mercy on their souls. The Spirit of God swept through their crowd and came down the front and soon we had 40,000, God had 40,000 Hindus and Muslims raising their hands as they accepted Jesus. What do you say for this? Well, I tell you this. I will tell you this. Our God is not dead. We still have a ministry in India. We have a television program in India. We are supporting poor little children, the untouchable children, so that they can at least get a break on life and so they will not be sold into slavery. We still go to India. When I went to India and I saw the power of God there, I understood the words of Paul where he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. What does God think about us when we say it doesn't work? I've got lots of exciting stories to tell you. The best stories I can tell you I've seen with my own eyes, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I'm not an armchair theologian. I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it for the glory of God and will be back soon. Hello friend, I'm John Carter. Behind me is the great city of Manila, the capital of the Philippines. Did you know, this is quite amazing, there are more people living in this area than in New York City. And Christ died for these people. We came here, oh, a long time ago, back in 1984. What's that, 34, 35 years ago? And we came here with a team of young people and we came to the PICC. It is our intent to come here, hire the biggest hall that's available, the greatest outdoor stadium, whatever it takes. You've got more than 20 million souls out here. And I say it again, these are people for whom Christ died. I'm asking you to pray for the people of the Philippines. Please pray for the people here in Metro Manila And please write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at Terrigal at the address that is now showing on the screen. We're back in Manila, and we're back with a message from God. That message is, Christ died for you, and Christ is coming again soon. Please support us. Write to me today, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, and also write to me at Terry in Australia. Thank you for your support, and God bless you.